You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. The leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Dina Pokdoff. She is the Senior Vice President of Communications for North America at Kuna and Nagel, one of the world's leading logistics companies with nearly 80,000 employees in over 100 countries. She started at the company last October to establish the entire strategic communications function, a first in the Kuna and Nagel North American history, so she's responsible for establishing, driving, and executing the regional communications strategy. Dina has been recognized for her lifelong career in corporate communications with several industry accolades, such as the Reagan and PR's uh, Reagan's PR Daily Top Women in Communications and PR News Top Women in PR. Amazing, Dina! Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. Now, before we get into all the uh, down and dirty business communications kind of stuff, mm-hmm. what's your fun fact? My fun fact is that I'm a triathlete. Wow. And I started triathloning when I was um, just shy of 50 years old. So I've been doing it for a couple of years now and I'm uh, making some really great headway. So I want to make sure everybody heard that correctly. You started doing triathlons when you were about 50, not 15, one, five, 55, zero. 55 zero. Wow. <laughs> I'm imp- I mean, at any age, whether we're 15, 33, 53, 183, it doesn't matter. Wow. Impressive. So how Thank many you. have you done? So I've done two Olympic length and I've done about four sprint length. Um, so I, I have an aspiration to do a half Ironman. We'll see if it happens yes. this year. It takes so much time and dedication. It's like a second sometimes. So I'm not sure if the, the iron, half Ironman is going to happen in 2023 but I, it is on my, oh, wouldn't that be such a challenge um, to try? I'm really glad you said, wouldn't that be such a challenge as opposed to, wouldn't that be fun? Because then I'd worry. Uh, well, <laughs> triathloning is fun in some ways. It is so, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, I would have guessed the second half. I think that, <laughs> I mean, running 10Ks is kind of my my max nowadays. And the idea of an Ironman got, woof. Okay, I'm impressed. Um, <laughs> remind me not to mess with you. And let's get to the more work-related stuff. That's awesome. So, okay, that's we know that you have tenacity, if nothing else. So let's see where this goes in the conversation today. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Kuna and Nagel sure. and your role. What's your 30-second elevator pitch? So the 30-second elevator pitch for Kuhn and Nagel. So we're one of the probably the biggest companies you might not have ever heard of. <laughs> if you're in the logistics space, you've heard of us, but otherwise you might not have. But um, the simple version is that we, you know, we are an integrated logistics partner. We are headquartered in Switzerland and we bring um, people and the things that they need closer together. Mm-hmm. So we're number one in air and sea. Uh, we also do road and what is called contract logistics or distribution warehouses. And um, we've been in business since 1890. Wow. Um, so it's about uh, 80, as you said earlier, about 80,000 employees, about 400,000 customers. Um, it's a pretty big company and a pretty big deal. Um, so I'm pretty excited to be part of it. I, I would take out the pretty. That is amazing. And I, I would be quite excited to be part of something like that. That's incredible. Right. With all of it, what is your favorite part of your job and why? 
Well, as you said um, in my introduction, I'm really lucky to be a first for Kuninagel um, in North America. Actually, communications for Kuninagel globally is on, is relatively new as a function, but for North America, it's brand new. Um, and although they've been doing communications, there's not been a function or strategic kind of element to it. So my favorite part of my job is that I get to build something from the ground up. Wow. And really make a difference, right? I would imagine that's a rather, it's one thing to build a communications department for a company of a hundred, but for a hundred thousand, it's a little bit different. Right. So that that's, that's a really big hill to climb, I would think. It is. Well, I'm lucky that my purview is specifically North America. Oh, is that all? Um, so just, just the yeah, North American uh, just, continent? Just, just the North American continent. So it's um, it's the U.S., it's Canada, it's Mexico. And of course, it has its own set of complications. But, you know, a global scope would be even more complicated. And I'm lucky to work in a uh, as part of a global communications network and team um, who is tackling it across the globe. Um, but you I don't mean to downplay it. North America's got its own complications. It's a it's a heavily matrixed organization, um, and it's not a straightforward place to you know to figure out how to communicate um, to the right people. So um, it's it's somewhere around thirteen to fifteen thousand employees just in North America. So it's mm. it's not nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so the communications role, this is both internal and external communications. Is that That's correct? Right. So it's the 13,000 employees. Oh, yeah. And everybody else. Exactly. And all the other, you know, kind of key stakeholders, you know, that you can imagine, you know, communities and um, the media to Clients. reach those communities. And so, you know, so it, all the usual kind of ways to reach the external stakeholders, um, obviously, prospective employees is part of that, customers, um, partners. Um, so really, it's about how we tell our story, both inside the company and outside the company. I'm curious, what would you say has been, because you're relatively new in, yes, the, to in the role. <laughs> to to role, right. right, right, right. Not to communications in general. <laughs> Not to but the to business. The, been doing no, that quite no. a while now. <laughs> but to, this is the first time that you've been the the person to establish the function mm -hmm. for the company, be it a national slash continental branch or otherwise. Right. And with doing all of that, what is one of the big issues of the day that you do have to communicate to various stakeholder groups? You've mentioned a whole bunch. Uh, pick a few of them and where do you need to be able to translate that that messaging differently for those different groups? Sure, sure. So one of the hot topics, you know, I think that many organizations are facing and that, you know, that that I have um, faced in my career as well and um, is the topic of DEI. And, you know, this is a topic that, you know, for me personally, I'm, I'm really quite passionate about, um, you know, because DEI to me is is about you know really looking at diversity as a competitive advantage for an organization, um, and whether it's about you know ethnic diversity, racial diversity, gender diversity. Um, it, it, to me, it goes beyond that, and it can also be about diversity of perspectives, diversity of thought, diversity from where people come from, diversity of um, of perspective overall. Because if everyone is coming at a problem all from the same perspective, you're not really going to get a chance to be creative in solving that problem. Mm. So organizations that really can do this well can really innovate and be really forward thinking. Um, and it can be a huge competitive advantage for an organization. So the topic of DEI is one that um, for Kuna Nagel is we're early in our journey. Mm. 
And it was something that I, you know, when, as I was interviewing, I was asking about and trying to understand. And and as I mentioned before, I, I, I have a, a soft spot for this topic. It's something I'm personally passionate about. And so, you know, the organization is still in the, what I will say, like the forming their strategic thinking on this topic um, phase. They're thinking, they're, they're really trying to put some thought to this. It's part of the company strategy for our um, enviro- environmental social governance kind of pillar of our strategy and really thinking this through um, uh, in terms of the, the social component of it, especially. So if I understand this correctly, where a lot of organizations, a lot of organizations and a lot of guests have, have referenced things with regard to DEI initiatives, especially if there are leaders in human resources, CHROs, that kind of thing. But you're, yeah. you're telling me that this is actually something where Kunin Nagel is is just starting to have these discussions. And it's so mm-hmm. where some organizations are a little further along, you're really trying to explain the importance of having DEI initiatives in the first place and then getting That's that right. movement off the ground. That's exactly right, Laura. Okay. Sorry if I wasn't being no, clear. No, I just yeah. want to make sure I'm uh, reinforcing that because in case somebody was yeah. like, okay, so wait, is it? No, because that, that's a really that's a really big place to be, to spearhead entire initiatives like that. So are there groups that are a little harder to get through to or what's a step that you're taking to, to how are you reaching different groups with regard to either the why or the what or the how? What's How do you address the different groups? Sure. So let me just add to it that it the organization is is in development of this sure. so one thing that i think is really important as as a communications person i found a place where i could step in and help support as the company is developing its strategy mm. right and so what i did was i first i advocated for um where i have ownership and can take leadership and so I made the case to our executive team, to our CEO, to the head of HR that let's take a baby step, right? Like, and this is something that I can, I can t- take on and I can influence. And that is to have an editorial calendar of topics that we will cover and we will do so in several ways. We'll, we'll advocate to have um, messaging from the executive team. We will have content on our, um, as I mentioned before, like our little mini Facebook group um, for North America, that's, that's my KN, it's called. And we will um, begin to tell the story in as a very beginning step. And the stories that we will tell is simply to identify, okay, so for example, it's MLK Day, or it's Women's History Month, or it's Black History Month. And what we will do is look to tell stories of Kunanagal people um, that are in this space and to get their perspectives and to just begin to profile people to share what, for example, for Women's History Month, um, we have a women in leadership um, employee resource group. It's our one employee resource group within the organization at this point. As I said, we're really early in our journey, but this does, we do it, at least we're lucky to have a group of women who've stepped up and have created this employee resource group and are really passionate about it. So there was a lot of activities that were going on. I got, I was and lucky to be invited to speak on a panel. So the way that we're tackling it is from, you know, at least from a communications perspective is to begin bringing it to the front, mm. to have it be a topic, to have it be something that we focus on. And it is not, you know, the end all to be all of our communication strategy. Right. It is the beginning. It is a baby step. Uh, somebody might hear me and say, oh gosh, you know, you're creating an editorial calendar, you know, like whoop-de-doo, like, but it is truly just the, you know, 
in an area where I can take leadership, I'm grabbing it and I'm doing it. Yes. And I, I think that's important. I'm really glad that you mentioned that. So let me let me reiterate it for anybody else out there that because uh, it, it's remember Dina's in communications, not HR. So it's not the policy of the company. It's not whatever else that you're creating going, hey, we've got a little Heroes and Holidays calendar and check, DEI, done. But it's about where, and I think this is such a valuable uh, lesson for everybody out there to say, okay, in my space, whether I'm in engineering, whether I'm in communications, whether I'm in DEI, whether I'm in finance, what ask yourself, what can you do in your role to support these kinds of initiatives? And how do people need to hear it from you? And how do people in your space need to hear it versus some other space? And I think it's great to to begin and say, let's make it a topic of conversation. And that's what the communications department is supposed to do. So exactly. I, I think that's a great creative way to to really add to and to 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 launch these kinds of programs. So am I understanding that correctly? That's exactly right, Lauren. And, and to yes. get people to start to Oh, hey, this is going on. Like just even just general awareness. And, you know, I think that, you know, we are, as I said, we're a global company. Mm -hmm. And so the leader, even if, if we look at the makeup of our teams here in North America, a lot of people aren't from America. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, you know, I, as I said, our role, my role is North America writ large, but as we both know, a lot of the DEI kind of uh, the thrust of it really is, where a lot of it is happening is in the U.S., yes. right? And so when you have, you know, people who are from all over the globe, they might be looking at the American team and be like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean by DE&I, right? Like, what does that mean? And um, and so I truly think that it's it's critical. And what I really try to do is look at this from a, um, a, a place of grace and empathy. Like, not everybody's coming at it from the same filter, as we talked about, having diverse perspectives is critical. Yes. And it's respecting that not everybody's going to understand the, the what's what's been going on here in the U.S. Um, and why why we're even doing or thinking about it like this. Yes, yes. And that is also something too, I think that's easy to get frustrated with feeling when, especially for people who are in organizations where these topics are such uh, standard or commonplace topics, regardless of to what degree it's effectively implemented, received, et cetera, right. is a whole other question. But to the extent that there are lots of places around the world where this is not a topic at all, and to arrive here and feel like, what is what is this all about? It's just the awareness piece. Or if it is a topic, they're more talking about, you know, gender diversity, mm. right? Um, they're not looking at it from the kind of the wealth of different kind of diverse perspectives that I was, you know, saying earlier. Right, so, right. and, um, no, look, I um, I know that a the organization will get there. I'm confident sure. that the, that you know that the company has stated this is what they want to do. We will we will get this. You know, uh, this will be something that will be more in the forefront in the in the organization over time. Um, but you know, as I said, I walked in the door six months ago. I looked around. I was like, this is something I can grab onto and and really help drive right away and make an impact right away. Yes, I love that one of the first things that jumped out is like, this is something I can own that I can really make a difference on. And that's that's got to be inspiring to know that there's such opportunity there that to make a difference. I also think it speaks to the culture of Kuna Nagel um, that even if it's not, you know, I, as you said, I don't own it. I'm not in HR. It doesn't always live in HR. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But it doesn't seem to be owned by anyone right now. Right. So um mm. I show interest, I show initiative, and I'm going to do something that's in my space that I can make an impact on. 
Yes. And that, and to your points, also kudos to Kuna and Noggle for realizing if you've come and said, hey, I see this major opportunity here to to catch up on certain things and to start leading in a new direction. And they said, sure, they, they, go for it. As opposed to, no, that's different. We need to discuss this a little bit more. They said, yes. And that's really great because every journey begins with a single step, right? And you took that step for them. Exactly. And with them, because, you yes. know, they still had to come along and, you know, and, and, and align on it. And, you know, I think that, you know, without someone saying, hey, here are the ones I think we should at least start with, mm-hmm. right? And then get alignment on that. Otherwise, I think people would continue to swirl and wonder, oh, are we allowed to talk about this? And yes. are we not allowed to talk about this? Is this like, well, if we do this, what about that? And, you know, are we going to be like saying something by not saying something? Are we going to say something by saying something? You know, people get themselves all tangled up in on both sides because as you, bo- you and I both know, what, sometimes not saying something speaks even more volumes than yes. saying something. <laughs> Right. The, the absence of the content or the absence of a voice on something actually says something more and it may not be the, in, the intention. So um, I, it was clearly not the intention here. So I was like, all right, let's, let's chip away this yes, from the such beginning. Such an important point that the absence of the discussion speaks more than the discussion itself. And that's, so it's great to redirect that and kudos to you for taking that challenge and taking the risk again, being new in the space and new in whatever else to kind of challenge the yeah. status quo in a way can, can be some leaders could have taken that as being very face threatening, so to speak, and, and that yours was very receptive to it. So uh, kudos to, to everyone there. And I think that's a great segue to our opportunity to levy mm-hmm. a challenge to the rest of the listeners. So for our 24-hour listener influence challenge, here's an opportunity, Dana, uh, excuse me, Dana, I invite you to uh, speak directly to the audience and to challenge them to Ooh. take one step that they can complete within 24 hours to have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? All right, listeners, here's your challenge. <laughs> so, um, you know, you never know where life is going to throw, what kind of challenges life is going to throw at you overall. Um, and so I challenge you to go through your connections on LinkedIn and reconnect with just a few people you haven't spoken to in, in a little while. You don't want to let years go by before you reconnect with somebody because you never know when life is going to throw you a twist. You're going to need to reconnect with somebody and you don't want to start from ground zero, um, like a zero <laughs> spot but when you... Um, you don't want it to die, you know, the, the relationship to die on the vine. So um, take that time, reconnect with it. Just a couple people. It can be just a quick email to them. And um, sorry, Laura, did that nope, come through? Okay. Sorry. It's look, we all get bings. We all get, uh, you know, calendar chains. <laughs> I, uh, I thought I turned you down. And look, everybody bings. out there, this is the challenge, right? Either the calendar bing comes through, the dog barks and goes <laughs> ballistic when the mail truck goes by, the cleaning crew comes out, the vacuum cleaner right in the <laughs> middle of something. This is the way of the world. So I didn't even know it's all I'm good. Sorry. Okay, so go on. You were saying we're finishing. You know what? Actually, this is a good place to, to interrupt yeah. because there was... Um, Yes. For those who maybe have not, who can really take this to heart because they are not as active on LinkedIn, perhaps, or and, and are looking going, geez, the yeah. last time I talked to anybody was already a year and a half ago. Will some of these people remember me or whatever? Yeah. You know, besides email, of course, you can just send the message right through LinkedIn. Um, what's the easy, like right. one or two lines that people could just use template style to, to reconnect with somebody who, where it's been a while? How do you, without having to give your life story or the proverbial kind of Christmas email, 
little newsletter telling you dictate dict- oh, yeah. uh, detailing everything that's happened in the last two years of your life. What's just a two line message template that they can use just to reconnect with that person? I mean, I think it's as simple as, um, you know, hey, just wanted to check in. I was thinking about you. It's been a little while. Here's what's going on with me. Some some great things going on here. Some other challenges here. What's happening with you? Be great to connect. Maybe we could talk live at some point when life isn't so, you know, isn't too busy. Maybe we could grab a coffee um, virtually or in person. Hope all is well. Look, it just took her like nine and a half seconds Simple. to rattle that off. So it should take you only about 14 <laughs> seconds to type that if you don't type as fast as you talk like I do. So, but uh, with that, <gasps> I think it's great. So reach out. You've got your marching orders and you uh, have your challenge. And look, she didn't ask you to do a half Ironman. So really count your blessings and just do it. Could have been a lot <laughs> worse, right? I'm, I'm personally very glad. <laughs> you can join me. You can join me in my challenge. <laughs> That's something to post on LinkedIn with everybody else. If you do manage to be that amazing and and take up that gauntlet as well. You know, you talked earlier about it because I do think that there's a lot of parallels between business and this all this crazy tri- triathlon training that I'm doing. How so? In the sense that you need, you know, to have grit and resilience in your job, right? And so I think, you know, the pandemic taught us that more than, you know, mm. that was the most recent experience example of it, but there's all kinds of things when you, you know, when you're out there day to day, you need to be able to, you know, dust yourself off, pick yourself up. And you do that every day when you're training for these events or when you're at these events and things don't go the way you expected. And um, there's a a certain level of um, grit and resilience that you learn from, from, uh, from this kind of training. Yes, yes. The talk about and a good pair of shoes with a good pair of sneakers, I think will come in handy yes, for that, that training as well. Handy. Yes, yes. So uh, now we've talked about some successes that you've been having mm-hmm. along the way. What's a communications related mistake that you've made? Yeah. So if I could ask for a do over the uh, for a big mistake I've made earlier in my career, um, I had an interview for a job I really, really wanted. I, I was like, I, I knew I was perfect. I had an inside track. I knew they were, they also were excited about me. Um, got home from the interview, was in a rush, wrote the thank you note and autocorrect spelled the, respelled the name of the, the, the hiring manager and off the, the thank you note went with the wrong spelling. Oh no. Right. Of so all things. And I knew I was the for, for the for you know the front runner for the role. Like I had a, a good inside skinny that like, hey, you're 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 looking good, Dean. So uh, didn't get the job, and mm. you know that was a really hard pill to swallow. But it taught me a really great lesson. Like one typo can change somebody's perspective on you, especially if you work in the field of communications. I mean, um, you're if if you have typos in your work, you you look like you don't know what you're doing. So. Um, it can eat away at somebody's confidence of you. So take your time. Don't rush. Don't, you know, don't get cocky. Yes. (laughs) You know, and take, take a breath, put it to the side for a little bit, come back and look at it again. Um, because a little mistake like that can really change things. Oh, so painful. So painful. painful. Those are, and we've all had those moments where, you know, you, you hit send and your eye just catches something as your finger oh. is hitting the button and the mid, like uh, you hit reply all as opposed to just reply or something along those lines. And your brain just goes, no, but and I mean, you just look, can't hit the unsend. But nowadays, some apps do have an unsend button within the first, you know, five seconds or 10 seconds or something. But yeah. often, nope, too late. 
just that taking that one more moment, take that one extra beat. And look, not everyone's going to lose a job because of a typo, but you know, in my field and our field, I had that challenge and I learned from it. It doesn't mean I didn't make typo mistakes in my career after that. I mean, things happen. Um, but I, when it comes to something important, I really try hard to take a moment, give myself a respite, go back to it, look at it again with fresh eyes, because in the heat of the moment, I'm going to make a mistake. We all have those, uh, the, the need to measure twice and cut once, right? Proofread twice and hit send once because you can't do it the other way around. It just doesn't work. So that extra 10 seconds can make a difference, make a huge difference, save you an entire yeah. job worth of uh, oops. Those are not fun Oops. to say the least. Right. No fun. No fun. So let's let's talk for a second about moving up in roles. So if somebody in your organization wanted to move up to a senior leadership role, aside from technical expertise, what's one skill they'd have to demonstrate to you and why? So as I said before, I'm pretty new to my company, but my, you know, my initial kind of perspective and recommendation is to be known and to be seen. Um, you know, you could be great technically at your job, but if you don't have a network um, of people who um, could speak for you and can vouch for you, like when you're not in the room, um, it might be really difficult to be um, taken seriously for a, a leadership role. So, um, and, you know, how do you get to be seen and known? I'm not saying like get up and jump around. <laughs> I'm saying look for like in your area where you can get exposure, um, volunteer, um, in an organization, I was talking earlier about this employee resource group, the leadership team there has an excellent opportunity to um, showcase their leadership skills to the whole organization and to the leaders within um, the, the company. Um, also, if you get given an opportunity to for a stretch um, project that gives you exposure to other senior leaders in the organization, grab it, do it. Um, and so um, I just think it will be hard to be um, moved up without having a just enough exposure in your network to the senior leadership so they know who you are. So when you talk about a stretch project, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Stretch project means that you have your day-to-day -day job, you're, there's a project that the organization wants to take on, and you've been asked if you would be willing to partake in that project or lead that project. It is not part of your day-to-day -day gig, but it gives you this chance to get exposure to the senior leaders, to try a different skill set, to do something that the company has asked for. Um, it might push you past your, your capacities some, in some ways. Um, you might have to stretch in terms of the kind of work you do and the amount of time you put into it, but it will pay dividends down the road. I think that's very scary for some people who are uh, not terribly risk tolerant. They uh, maybe don't want to take on some. And look, the the stereotype, of course, of women who are going to have nine out of ten uh, requirements for a job and say, "Oh, I don't have that one, so I guess I shouldn't apply for it." Again, stereotype or otherwise, male or female doesn't matter. But to the extent that there are those who are hesitant or afraid of of taking on more than they can chew or doing something where they don't confidently know how to execute everything right from the beginning. What would you say to them about this, how this does or doesn't gel? Well, first of all, let me say that get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. 
right? And that comes straight from Peloton. So you have to excuse me. <laughs> comfortably, get comfortably uncomfortable because I'm a Peloton addict so, too, right? As a triathlete, I would expect right? nothing less. Yeah. Okay, so the physical discomfort can also yeah. go beyond that. Exactly. So get comfortable with being uncomfortable because, you know, I don't know any leader that has exposure to every component of an organization or the different pieces that are acquired. As they say, the best leaders bring bring together people who are experts and they're not, the leader themselves is not an expert at these different things. However, as a leader, sometimes you're thrown a challenge and you just have to figure out how to figure it out. Um, and so, um, you, as I said, you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You kind of wait, make, your way through it. You, you try, you take, you take risks, but you know, I do think, you know, some organizations are better suited to that than others in terms of setting people up for, for success in having a failure. Right. Um, and, um, I've been lucky to be places where, um, they want you to take a, take a chance, um, and we'll support you if you take a chance. And sometimes it goes great. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly knowing the culture of the organization makes a big difference. I think there's also importance to, to the word failure is something that different people interpret very differently and mm-hmm. can be an utterly terrifying concept for some. What's where a, a failure is a giant black mark. It will will follow you for the rest of your career in that organization. Is it a you know big scarlet F, so to speak, or is it just mean? Okay, we tried that. It didn't work. So what did we learn from it? What can we? How can we leverage it moving forward, etc. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of gray in that construct of failure, and mm-hmm. uh, you know one is a much bigger risk type than other. So. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go back to my Peloton. Sure. <laughs> so um, one of my favorite instructors in Peloton, she ta- she calls fail failure first attempt in learning. Mm. Um, and I don't know if she came up with it or probably she didn't, but I really believe in that um, and have embraced it in my own career. Because, um, you know, I as I said, I've been lucky to be in organizations where you know, you walk a tight wire, like a high wire, and there's a there's a safety net under you. Um, I, I think to think that the leaders, you know, having the right leadership in place to to take those those risks is important, right? Again, yes. speaking to the culture, but um, I do think that um, I, failure sounds so awful, but it is really it it can be a great learning opportunity such a great like just a, a teachable moment right usually a lot longer than a moment that's for sure but it's the i think the other part that i wanted that i wanted to draw people's attention to that you heard that you mentioned earlier is with part of the discomfort and the the getting comfortable being uncomfortable is the resourcefulness that I heard that I from what you were saying with regard to the importance of being just willing to figure it out because you can't predict everything. You probably don't have 100 percent of the knowledge or skills that are going to be required for whatever surprises come along the path. But the 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 resourcefulness, the resiliency, the scrappiness of just saying, I'm going to make the phone calls I need, find the right people, find the right materials, whatever it is, and we'll figure this out, that that go-getter-ness 
to create a word deck that a PhD. Uh, I, I like it. To do that. I you like, like that? I can do that one. All right. So am I hearing that right? Am I? You are. And I, I will add to it that, you know, um, I, I, like I said, I've been lucky to have, you know, people in my career who have shared with me, like, you think I knew everything? Like, I, I've been having to figure this one out too. Like, you know, it may look like I knew what I was doing, but I really, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure this out. Like, like anybody else, right? Like, so, um, you know, you could look up at a leader and be like, oh, they know, you know, they, they know what they're doing, but not always. Right. Um, and I think it takes the right kind of leader to be like, Hey, I'm not sure how to do this. I'm going to figure this one out. Right. Right. So it takes that kind of transparency and leadership to be like, to be vulnerable with your team to share that like, Hey, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to, I'm sure as heck going to figure it out. Yes. The willingness to figure it out. So finally, 30 seconds or so, as Peter Drucker famously said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. What's one communication pattern that's had a big cultural impact, positive or negative, on a team that you were on or led? So I I will say that I, one of my favorite CEOs that I worked with, um, he just did such a great job of recognizing people for their hard work and contributions. And he listened when people deliver tough messages to him. So this really allowed for a culture of trust and respect and, um, you know, allowed us to be able to share things with him um, that, you know, he maybe would have been scared to with other leaders. So um, it's this kind of creating that culture of trust and respect and where people can say things that maybe are a little scary to say to a leader. Um, you know, it's the kind of culture I a, try to emulate and B, seek out. Um, mm-hmm. I feel lucky I, f- I found it again um, I'm <laughs> at, another, at this organization, but um, it, it truly creates just a, a winning culture. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, Dina, thank you so much for joining us today. Unfortunately, we need to wrap this up, but I have a feeling you and I are going to have some other conversations. Yes, after we we're are. done Because this was a lot of fun. Is, how can people learn more about you and Kuna and Nagel? Uh, to, well, to learn more about Kuna and Nagel, you can check us out on our website, on social. Um, we're out there. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect and always happy to share um, experiences, learnings, um, just chat. Um, always looking to build my network. So don't hesitate to reach out. Terrific. And to everybody else out there, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And of course, don't forget to give us five-star rating on Apple Podcasts so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. Dina, thank you for joining us today. Laura, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. I'm Dr. Laura Sacola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sacola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. 
Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The host, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.